This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome one and all, it's the Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you've tuned in here to the program. Uh, We are awaiting President Donald Trump to head out to the microphone and announce what many suspect will be the United States of America withdrawing from this this unfair well l- let me describe the the Paris climate accord in a way that I think even even our political adversaries can understand what Barack Obama ne- basically did was take America bend it over and then tell the rest of the world that they could have their way with America that was the Paris climate accord you just heard in the top of the hour news, all, almost all the, the entire world is collaborating on the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, and, and I will agree with you, they are. But what does the climate, climate accord do? It basically screws the United States of America. So basically the whole world has agreed to screw America. And Barack Obama was one of those guys going, yeah, let's screw America. More to come on that here in a minute. Telephone number you want to reach out to uh, the Chris Salcedo Show, 888-933-93, 888-900-3393. If you want to catch up with us on social media, you heard me mention you Facebook livers anyway did. Uh, the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook presence, just type in the Chris Salcedo Show in the search bar and you'll find us there. On Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. Uh, uh, if you want to drop an email off, you got to go back to the Facebook page. There's an email link right there at the top of the Facebook page. Uh, on uh, Another social media outlet for you could be theblaze.com in the channel section, The Chris Salcedo Show. You can click on the presence there, theblaze.com, and find us. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher for downloading this content for on-demand listening. Look, I, we talked to Merrill Matthews, our, our buddy from the Institute for Policy Innovation, and we've, we've talked about the Paris Climate Accord since President Obama committed, it, committed us to it. And this is a volunteer accord. So we get to understand, it's voluntary. And Mr. Obama said, Lama McClure, I'm going to make sure that America sticks to the plan. China said, great, you go ahead and do that. We're not going to comply. We'll do it maybe in 30 years. 
40 years, maybe. Once, we, once the, the, the Chinese currency has supplanted uh, the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency, once the United States is relegated to a second, possibly third world nation, then, then China, once we're on top, then, then we'll start thinking about this stuff. In the meantime, Barack Obama, China, we communists, we're going to continue to build a coal-fired uh, fired power plant uh, to the tune of one a week. And that was the nature of this climate deal. You all have to understand. And, and we just heard some of the propaganda there in the top of the hour news on the blaze. Well, the entire world, the entire world has signed under this. Yeah, I imagine they did. The entire world would love, would love for America to adhere to this deal, which screws us. We actually transfer American taxpayer dollars to lower income countries who are in many cases not democracies, not republics, who are run by despots and dictators, so they can they can have that money so that they never are tempted to go to carbon emissions, to it's it's a big redistribution scheme. The Paris Climate Accord is a redistribution scheme based on junk science. Oh, it's not see, I can't even I can't say that fairly. There's no science really involved. It's just junk. So just bear that in mind. You're going to hear a steady drumbeat of a lot of propaganda out there that, wow, the United States is putting it out. To all you left-wingers who may be watching The Blaze right now on Facebook Live, I, and I asked this question yesterday, and by the way, we're waiting for the President of the United States to step to the podium. We're hoping he was going to be on time, but anyway. Let, let me put it to you, you liberals, this way. You all believe that man's CO2 emissions are, are, are what is driving the temperature to change on planet Earth, right? That's what you all, it's, 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 a, it's your faith, it's your religion. You all believe that, right? Okay. It, let's just, let's assume for a minute that your, your religion is true. That man's CO2 emissions, which by the way, if you all know your science, do you guys know how much carbon makes up the atmosphere? The, the dominant gas on the planet is nitrogen, of course. 78% of the atmosphere, 21% oxygen, 1% argon, well, 0.93% argon, 0.038% is carbon, 0.038%. Now, of that 0.038%, all you liberal Democrat extremists, you global warming alarmists, how much of that is man-made? Well, the answer is... On, on giving you the complete benefit of the doubt, 3%. The rest of the Earth's CO2 is naturally occurring. 0.038 of all of Earth's total gases, and of that, only 3% is man-made, and that's charitable. And we're, we're told that that is enough to throw the entire ecosystem off balance and cause the, the earth to warm to catastrophic levels. You know, it's the same rationale as Dick Durbin jumping on national television and say the reason why Obamacare is failing is because Donald Trump didn't run four days of advertisements in open enrollment. That's about how much sense man-made global warming makes. But at any rate, 
the, the, the broader question to all you liberals is this. Who is the world's largest CO2 emitter? Which country? That would be your pals over in China, the communist Chinese, your ideological cousins, all you liberals and all you Democrats. So they are the world's number one emitter of CO2 that you all think is destroying the planet. Why was the, cl- the Paris Climate Accord voluntary for them when they're the number one emitter on the planet of CO2? Why? Why did Obama agree to a deal that allowed the world's number one CO2 emitter? And notice I didn't say polluter because CO2 is not a pollutant. But you all think it is. So why would Barack Obama allow the world's biggest, in your minds, polluter to voluntarily comply with the Paris Climate Agreement? Why? (laughs) Because Barack Obama's agenda wasn't to harm the commies. Barack Obama's agenda was to harm the United States, us. That was his agenda. And to all of you liberals out there, answer me this question. If China, by being the world's number one emitter of CO2, if they are destroying the planet and they're going to kill you, they're going to kill your children, they're going to kill the entire ecosystems of uh, of the planet, what will you do to stop them? Because they're, they're not cutting their CO2 emissions. You know that. They're not doing it. They're building a coal-fired power plant to the tune of one a week, on average. What will you do to stop them? They're destroying the planet, after all. They're, they're committing mass murder of over six, six billion people on the planet. Would you liberals be willing to go to war to force the Chinese, to stop emitting what you all consider to be a pollutant? Uh, I think it's a valid question. Perhaps Nancy Pelosi should be asked this. Perhaps uh, President Obama, because he's commenting on it, completely disregarding tradition. Uh, Look, uh, I'm going to go to break a little early here, folks, so we can make sure to hear President Donald Trump when he steps up to the podium to speak. Uh, Make sure that you tune in, Facebook Livers, right here on... uh, on the Chris Salcedo Show, on the Blaze Radio Network, and we'll carry, hopefully, the President's comments live. Coming up next on the Chris Salcedo Show right here on the Blaze. You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up on the program, folks, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. We'll get him on to react to what is expected to be uh, the U.S. withdrawal out of this unfair and burdensome climate deal that Barack Obama imposed on me and you and your children and my children. So that's coming up in the program. Also, we have... Video proof 
of Democrats colluding with foreign nationals to fix American elections, to influence, I should say, to influence American elections. I don't want you to miss this. Again, we have video proof of Democrats' collusion with foreign nationals to influence an election or several elections. It's all coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show. We are awaiting Donald J. Trump, the president of the United States, to get out in front of the camera and start talking about the climate deal and whether or not the America is officially in or officially out. This is a habit that I pray that Donald Trump does not get into uh, that the previous occupant of the Oval Office uh, had such disrespect for the American people that he would set a press conference time and then was 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes late for the press conference. Uh, President Bush was meticulously on time believed the American people's time was precious, and he, being a, a, a servant of the people, wasn't late to the Trump administration. You set a 3 o'clock Eastern press conference, it damn well better be there on time. And I, I had this, this bugaboo when when it was Barack Obama in the Oval Office, and I would, I would be, shall I say, hypocritical if I wasn't critical of Donald Trump doing the same thing. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If, if you can't be there on time, if, if, if it's a 3.30, if you need to tell 3.30, then, then, then make it for 3.30. If it's a 4 o'clock press conference, if you need to tell 4 o'clock, then make it at 4 o'clock. Just, it shows a, a massive amount of disrespect for the American people. I know maybe somebody inside of the Trump White House thinks it's, it's, it's an affront to the basket of bias, the press. But I assure you it is, it is more an affront to the American people who set time out. When the President of the United States addresses the people, and, and the president of the United States says, I'm going to come and talk to you. And the people carve out time to listen. You better be on time. It's not about you. It's about the people. And if, if you think you didn't have enough time to get it done by 3 o'clock Eastern, put it off an hour. Put it off an hour. You know, instead of, make, uh, instead of calling earlier today a 3 o'clock press conference, you call a 4 o'clock press conference. Or maybe a 5 o'clock press conference. Make sure you get it on for the nightly news. I just, I, I just have never, never appreciated it when anybody, any so-called public servant has such callous disregard for people's time. It's precious. All right. Uh, telephone number is 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Again, waiting Donald Trump's presence at the podium to announce what the United States will do, whether or not it will stay in the Paris Climate Accord or not. Uh, if it, I, This bears pointing out, and we, we, we were sharing this with the Facebook Livers too, but it, it bears pointing out once again, I want you all to be ready for this 
well, everybody else around the globe is in this deal. Well, yeah, they all lined up to screw America. A lot of them love the idea of screwing America. By the way, the, the economic impact of this climate deal, the negative economic impact, would really stifle the momentum that we have seen on the U.S. economy. And the U.S. economy is rip-roaring. That's a quote. Rip-roaring, according to a CNBC article that uh, was looking at jobs numbers released by ADP today. Job numbers. Now, the economists, the real smart people, they were... They, they were uh, anticipating for the month of May a creation of 185,000 jobs. Now, that's modestly okay, but that, th those were Barack Obama numbers. And uh, these individuals think that, well, certainly this, this novice Donald Trump is certainly no better than Barack Obama, so... <laughs> They get out there and they say, well, we only see uh, 185,000 people, jobs being added for the month of May. Well, their estimate was off by a, well, smidge. The actual number was 253,000. Not 185,000, 253,000. CNBC uh, says that the economy is rip-roaring. Rip-roaring job creation. And it's all based on a, a commitment from the Oval Office that is a stark contrast to what we have seen these last eight years. The Oval Office now is, is pro-prosperity. The Oval Office is now pro-American. The Oval Office now is dedicated to American, America's economy, America's job creation, America's prosperity, America being number one, America first. We once again have an occupier of the Oval Office, a true president who wishes only the best for our nation, not other countries. That, that will not subordinate our interests to prop up other countries, our treasure to prop up other countries, our, our efforts to prop up other countries. And as a matter of fact, this president, Donald Trump, says, that's the reason I'm here. I'm here to be, I'm, I'm America's president. I'm not the world's president as resident Obama fancied himself didn't think he was a citizen of the world. I'm a citizen of the United States. <laughs> and, and my policy decisions will reflect that. Thank you kindly. So good, good jobs numbers. Now, the official uh, Labor Department statistics won't be out for a couple, well, a week. And you know what? We may be on vacation when that comes out. But don't worry. Well, well it'll be on in the... In the background, I'll, I'll, I'll have my social media uh, rip-roaring and ready to go. Uh, telephone numbers, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, as we are awaiting Donald Trump to come out and, um, and tell us about this Paris Climate Accord. It makes you wonder, 
wow, we got a three o'clock news conference. Well, it's three twenty-eight right now. <laughs> and what are you, what are are you finalizing a speech now? Dotting some eyes, crossing some T's. Uh, while we wait, Fox News Channel. Uh, I wanted to remind you guys about this uh, ACLU lawyer who was up in front of the courts about Trump's travel ban. Remember that what the ACLU lawyer was forced to admit. Omar Jadwat, representing the American Civil Liberties Union, argued Mr. Trump's prior statements must be considered and that the six targeted countries didn't even meet the administration's own tests for national security risk. But Jadwat was forced to admit that it is the president who is entrusted with national security determinations. And Judge Paul Niemeyer, a George H.W. Bush appointee, got Jadwat to admit that absent Mr. Trump's statements, the order might survive constitutionally. If some other candidate had won the election and issued this executive order that's before us, I gather you would have no problem with that. Is that right? Uh, yes, Your Honor. I think in that case, it could be constitutional. Be right back, folks. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. President Trump at the podium talking about how our economy is rip-roaring. That gives Americans a level playing field against other nations. We're also working very hard for peace in the Middle East and perhaps even peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Our attacks on terrorism are greatly stepped up and you see that you see it all over from the previous administration, including getting many other countries to make major contributions to the fight against terror. Big, big contributions are being made by countries that weren't doing so much in the form of contribution. One by one, we are keeping the promises I made to American people during my campaign for president, whether it's cutting job-killing regulations, appointing and confirming a tremendous Supreme Court justice, putting in place tough new ethics rules, achieving a record reduction in illegal immigration on our southern border, or bringing jobs, plants, and factories back into the United States at numbers which no one until this point thought even possible. And believe me, we've just begun. The fruits of our labor will be seen very shortly, even more so. On these issues and so many more, we're following through on our commitments. And I don't want anything to get in our way. I am fighting every day for the great people of this country. Therefore, in order to fulfill my solemn duty to protect America and its citizens. The United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord Thank you. 
Thank you. But begin negotiations to re-enter either the Paris Accord or in really entirely new transaction on terms that are fair to the United States, its businesses, its workers, its people, its taxpayers. So we're getting out, but we will start to negotiate and we will see if we can make a deal that's fair. And if we can, that's great. And if we can't, that's fine. As president, I can put no other consideration before the well-being of American citizens. The Paris Climate Accord is simply the latest example of Washington entering into an agreement that disadvantages the United States to the exclusive benefit of other countries, leaving American workers, who I love, and taxpayers to absorb the cost in terms of lost jobs, lower wages, shuttered factories, and vastly diminished economic production. Thus, as of today, the United States will cease all implementation of the non-binding Paris Accord and the draconian financial and economic burdens the agreement imposes on our country. This includes ending the implementation of the nationally determined contribution and, very importantly, the Green Climate Fund, which is costing the United States a vast fortune. Compliance with the terms of the Paris Accord and the onerous energy restrictions that is placed on the United States could cost America as much as 2.7 million lost jobs by 2025, according to the National Economic Research Associates. This includes 440,000 fewer manufacturing jobs, not what we need. Believe me, this is not what we need. Including automobile jobs and the further decimation of vital American industries on which countless communities rely. They rely for so much, and we would be giving them so little. According to the same study, by 2040, compliance with the commitments put into place by the previous administration would cut production for the following sectors. Paper, down 12%. Cement, down 23%. Iron and steel, down 38%. Coal, and I happen to love the coal miners, down 86%. Natural gas, down 31%. The cost of the economy at this time would be close to $3 trillion dollars in lost GDP and six and a half million industrial jobs while households would have seven thousand dollars less income and in many cases much worse than that. 
Not only does this deal subject our citizens to harsh economic restrictions, it fails to live up to our environmental ideals. As someone who cares deeply about the environment, which I do, I cannot in good conscience support a deal that punishes the United States, which is what it does. The world's leader in environmental protection, while imposing no meaningful obligations on the world's leading polluters. For example, under the agreement, China will be able to increase these emissions by a staggering number of years, 13. They can do whatever they want for 13 years, not us. India makes its participation contingent on receiving billions and billions and billions of dollars in foreign aid from developed countries. There are many other examples, but the bottom line is that the Paris Accord is very unfair at the highest level to the United States. President Donald President Trump speaking about America withdrawing from the unfair climate accord live on the Chris Salcedo show here on the Blitz. It does, and the minds are starting to open up. We're having a big opening in two weeks. Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, so many places. A big opening of a brand new mine. It's unheard of. For many, many years, that hasn't happened. They asked me if I'd go. I'm going to try. China will be allowed to build hundreds of additional coal plants. So we can't build the plants, but they can, according to this agreement. India will be allowed to double its coal production by 2020. Think of it. India can double their coal production. We're supposed to get rid of ours. Even Europe is allowed to continue construction of coal plants. In short, the agreement doesn't eliminate coal jobs. It just transfers those jobs out of America and the United States and ships them to foreign countries. This agreement is less about the climate and more about other countries gaining a financial advantage over the United States. The rest of the world applauded when we signed the Paris Agreement. They went wild. They were so happy. For the simple reason that it put our country, the United States of America, which we all love, at a very, very big economic disadvantage. A cynic would say the obvious reason for economic competitors and their wish to see us remain in the agreement is so that we continue to suffer this self-inflicted major economic wound. We would find it very hard to compete with other countries from other parts of the world. We have among the most abundant energy reserves on the planet, sufficient to lift millions of America's poorest workers out of poverty. Yet under this agreement, we are effectively putting these reserves under lock and key, taking away the great wealth of our nation. It's great wealth. It's phenomenal wealth. 
Not so long ago, we had no idea we had such wealth. And leaving millions and millions of families trapped in poverty and joblessness. The agreement is a massive redistribution of United States wealth to other countries. At 1% growth, renewable sources of energy can meet some of our domestic demand. But at 3 or 4% growth, which I expect, we need all forms of available American energy, or our country. We'll be at grave risk of brownouts and blackouts. Our businesses will come to a halt in many cases, and the American family will suffer the consequences in the form of lost jobs and a very diminished quality of life. Even if the Paris Agreement were implemented in full, with total compliance from all nations, it is estimated it would only produce a two-tenths of one degree, think of that, this much Celsius reduction in global temperature by the year 2100. Tiny, tiny amount. President of the United States, folks, he is pulling us out of the Paris Climate Accord, the unfair climate accord which advantaged every other nation on the planet and put the American taxpayer and the American economy at a disadvantage. We'll continue to monitor this, but we are uh, up against the clock. Be right back. The Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network. Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. So you heard it. Uh, President Trump, while we were in the break, reached out to Democrats saying, hey, look, you want to renegotiate this so it's good for the United States of America? We can do this. You, If you want to renegotiate this Paris Climate Agreement so that your constituents and my countrymen don't get the shaft, okay, stop being obstructionists and I'll work with you. But uh, he said, my job as president is to do what's best for the United States of America and our people. And uh, let me see if I can let me see if I can find the exact. Here it is. The fact that the Paris deal hamstrings the United States while empowering some of the world's top. Well, he says polluting countries, but you have to you have to think that uh, CO2 is polluting. Top polluting countries should dispel any doubt as to the real reason why foreign lobbyists wish to keep our magnificent country tied up and bound down by this agreement. It's to give their country an economic advantage over the United States. And he says, uh, that's not going to happen while I'm president. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Democrats, I guess you have a choice. You, you might, Democrats might have to start negotiating something that's in the best interest of their constituents instead of the best interest of themselves and their cronies. I, uh, Trump is still talking. Let's step in and um, 
get a little bit more of what he has to say. Oh, by the way, coming up, Senator Ted Cruz in the Chris Salcedo Show, but back to the president. Beyond the severe energy restrictions inflicted by the Paris Accord, it includes yet another scheme to redistribute wealth out of the United States through the so-called Green Climate Fund, nice name, which calls for developed countries to send $100 billion to developing countries, all on top of America's existing and massive foreign aid payments. So we're going to be paying billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we're already way ahead of anybody else. Many of the other countries haven't spent anything. And many of them will never pay one dime. The Green Fund would likely obligate the United States to commit potentially tens of billions of dollars, of which the United States has already handed over one billion dollars. Nobody else is even close. Most of them haven't even paid anything. Including funds raided out of America's budget for the war against terrorism. That's where they came. Believe me, they didn't come from me. They came just before I came into office. Not good. And not that's uh that's pretty stark. That resident Obama took away America's funds for fighting terrorism so he could give it to other countries <laughs> under the guise of being green. Senator Ted Cruz coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. Hope you stick around. Lots more to come on The Blaze. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches. I don't have to show you any stinking batches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome back, everybody. The Chris Salcedo Show. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos. I actually love the United States of America. Let's get to one of our favorite guests, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Chris, good to be with you. Senator, we have an awful lot to talk about today, so let's get right to it. Uh, first off, President of the United States, Donald Trump, he has fulfilled a campaign promise, taking the United States out of the unfair Paris climate deal. What do you think? Well, I think that's terrific. I think that's exactly what he should do. It, it is what I have been urging President Trump to do for some time. Uh, and I think if, if we pull out of the agreement, it will be a very, very good thing for jobs in America and especially for the state of Texas. Uh, you know, there was a recent study by the National Economic Research, Research Association, and, and they concluded that the Paris Agreement could obliterate $3 trillion of GDP and 6.5 million industrial sector jobs, which, which me, works out to $7,000 in per capita 
household income that would disappear from the American economy by 2040. That's a big hit on working men and women. And, and it would have in particular a punitive effect on the state of Texas. If you look at industries like the cement industry, production is project, projected to decrease by 21%. Iron and steel decreasing by 19%. Petroleum refining decreasing by 11%. That is a really punitive impact on the American economy. And, and all for no purpose. This agreement would not help the environment in any meaningful way, in, in large part, because major companies are exempted. Russia's given a pass. China's given a pass. India's given a pass. So all of the burden is put on America, or the bulk of the burden is put on America. It, it would decimate American jobs. And so I think President Trump is exactly right to pull America out of it and, and to defend the jobs of working men and women in our country. Yeah, you know, I, I would be in favor of it if every other country was was subject to the same punitive uh punishment that the united states has been put under on this under this climate uh, agreement but the way mr obama had worked it all out is that all the pain was suffered by the american taxpayer and by the american economy and all these other despotic regimes and might i add the world's number one co2 emitter china was exempted and and nobody under, understood why mr obama and the democrat party would would favor such an unfair uh, agreement. Let's move on to uh, health care reform if we can, Senator. There's a debate here on the Chris Salcedo show, and I'm dying to figure out what you think about this. Because th there's the jury is out as to whether or not the Senate's going to do anything on, on health care reform as it is right. getting rid of Obamacare and, and getting something else in there. Many are observing that maybe that the Senate should just let it go and let Obamacare do what it was designed to do and give the country a lesson in what it means to electing a Democrat because Obamacare will harm this country. What do you think about that? Well, listen, Obamacare has already caused enormous harm in this country. Uh, it's the single biggest job killer in America. Uh, it is hammering small businesses. Millions of Americans have lost their jobs, have been forced into part-time work have lost their health insurance, have, have lost their doctors, and have seen their premiums skyrocket. Um, I think we have got to repeal Obamacare. I, I, I think, it, in my view, failure is not an option. Republicans have spent the last seven years campaigning all over the country, saying if only you elect us, we'll repeal Obamacare. I, I think we'll look like laughingstocks if we don't deliver on it. And, and Chris, it's, it's not easy to get done. We have a very, very narrow majority in the Senate, but I believe we can accomplish the task. And, and, and right now, I'm spending literally every waking moment trying to bring together Republicans, trying to unite the Republican conference so that we can focus on two things. Number one, honoring our promise to repeal Obamacare, but, but number two, critically, lowering health insurance premiums. The, the biggest reason so many millions of Americans are unhappy with Obamacare is it's caused premiums to skyrocket. The average family's premiums have increased over $5,000 a year. That's what I hear all across the state of Texas, is Texans telling me I can't afford health insurance anymore. And if we lower premiums so that individual consumers have more choices, more options, more competition, lower premiums, and, and quality health care is more affordable, that's going to help struggling families in the state of Texas. I think that's what we need to do. 
Well, you know, you, you bring up the, the, by the way, everybody, Senator Ted Cruz, our guest right now here on the Chris Salcedo Show, uh, you, you say that you are working very hard to unite this Republican caucus in this endeavor. And I think you're right. They will look silly if they don't repeal and, and, yeah. uh, and replace Ob- Obamacare. But I get a sense that there are some in the Republican caucus, in particular in the Republican Senate, uh, Senator, that 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 basically have accepted the Democrats premise that we need a massive government centered entitlement here. And to the conservative, that's an affront. But many of these Republicans have that position, just like the Democrats. Yeah, look, it, it Obamacare has done a lot of damage and, and, and some Republicans are willing to accept uh, a, a massive government machinery and a, and a permanent entitlement, massive spending and government control uh, of the health care system. I, I think that's a mistake. Uh, and I think it's going to take a lot of work uh, to to bring the conference together. You know, you know, Chris, I think many times process dictates results. If you look at the first repeal bill in the House, uh, it didn't go well. It, 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 it crashed and burned because it didn't have the votes. And the reason was that it was drafted behind closed doors with, with, with really no input from anybody. Uh, in the Senate, we wanted to follow a different process. And, and so several months ago, uh, I sat down with Lamar Alexander, the chairman of the Health Committee, uh, and he's a longtime Senate veteran. And the two of us together talked about how do we get this done in the Senate? How do we actually get it accomplished and achieve the result we need? Uh, we brought together a group of six senators, Lamar Alexander and myself, Mike Lee, Rob Portman, Corey Gardner, and Tom Cotton. Uh, and that group of six was designed to be to really cover the ideological spectrum of the Republican conference, to have strong conservatives and significantly more moderate senators, to have geographic diversity, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, but also to have senators who, who are smart and willing to roll up their sleeves and work and understand the details of Obamacare. And, and we began meeting once a week, uh, in my office, uh, trying to see if we could come together, trying to see if we could agree. And my view was if those six senators could get on the same page, we would likely have a bill that could command the support of a majority of the conference. Uh, we met for over a month. The discussions were productive. I think there's real common ground. One of the best signs was there were no leaks, uh, which no. <laughs> in Washington, frankly, is weird. <laughs> That's incredible. That, that that is absolutely incredible. That's an achievement in and of itself. Look, I got about thirty seconds left, Senator, and I and I I couldn't let you go without commenting on this. It was revealed that the previous administration violated Americans' Fourth Amendment rights for years, systematically yeah. for years. There was a subpoena put out by Devin Nunez yesterday to unmask the unmaskers. Here, uh, we talked to Congressman Michael McCall and said, "Will you commit, sir?" Uh, to bringing to justice those in the previous administration who violated Americans' Fourth Amendment rights. Senator Cruz, will you make that same commitment, sir? Uh, absolutely, and I, I think it is, it, it is very concerning, uh, the willingness of the Obama administration to violate the privacy rights and, and the Fourth Amendment rights of American citizens. I think it is every bit as concerning that, they, that it appears that they use the intelligence and national security apparatus for partisan purposes, to target Republicans, to target incoming members of the Trump administration. We need to have full accountability. We need to understand who did what. And, and I think that's critical for both the Senate and the House to take the lead on, on, on making sure that the truth comes out and, and that those who violated the law 
are held accountable. Amen. Uh, what's the website, Senator Cruz? Uh, it is tedcruz.org, tedcruz.org, tedcruz.org. <laughs> yep, uh, there you so go. I'm grateful for the millions of grassroots conservatives who have generously supported us and stand up and speak out for freedom and the Constitution each and every day. And we appreciate you for doing the same. Senator Ted Cruz, everybody, tedcruz.org. Head there, if you will. Sir, appreciate you, as always, on the Chris Salcedo Show. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Up next, we have proof the Democrats are colluding with nationals of foreign countries to influence elections. Don't miss this. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show. You're in the blaze. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo. Want you all to be aware, uh, there is going to be several leftists who descend on your state this summer. Here's why I know this. Nancy Pelosi paid a visit to my state. Yes, she did. The fake Catholic herself showed up in Texas. And she got together with uh, a local leftist in the northern part of Texas by the name of Mark Vesey. He is a, uh, a left-wing extremist congressman. And got together with a Democrat Party chairman, a guy by the name of uh, Inahosa. The Dallas County, um, is he Dallas County? I think, no, Enohosa, I think, is the entire state. Uh, yeah, the Democrat, Texas Democrat Party chairman, Gilberto Enohosa. And they got together at uh, the Culinary Workers Union, Culinary Workers Association, AFL CIO, you know, union folks. And they are, uh, they are touting this resistance summer idiocy. So Nancy Pelosi, this fake Catholic and um, San Francisco extremist liberal, shows up in the state of Texas and is shilling for Democrat votes. And her first act is to call Texans a bunch of cowards. She called them cowards for SB4, which was the bill I've been telling you about that criminalizes sanctuary cities, that the state of Texas leading the nation saying, hey, you know what? You Democrat-run cities, you can't thumb your nose at federal immigration law. You can't do that. If a federal agent says, hey, the guy you have in custody, the lady you have in custody is wanted on a federal warrant, they're illegal aliens and they need to be shipped out of the country, you must hold them. That's what the law in Texas says. You will comply with federal detainer requests. Now, a lot of Democrats, remember you guys know, the Democrat Party, the anti-rule of law party, the pro-illegal alien party. They are the anti-Jewish state party. They are the anti-cop party. They're the anti-prosperity party. Uh, the Democrats... When, whenever they are told no, and no, you can't ignore the law, and no, you can't look the other way on the law when it benefits you politically, you're not going to be allowed to do that. They go crazy. So 
And Nancy Pelosi was never had, forced to a- answer the question, well, why, it, why are Texans cowardly for insisting on, on following the rule of law? But, but this, isn't, this isn't the broader point that I want to make with all of this. Also in attendance at this meeting was a guy by the name of Ramiro Luna. Ramiro Luna is an illegal alien. And Ramiro Luna, Ramiro Luna is, uh, is what Obama is, a community organizer. He's a community organizer. He's an illegal alien, but he's a community organizer. So he got together with a whole bunch of Democrats and uh, addressed these individuals gathered, and here's what he had to say. I am undocumented. I cannot vote, but I still have a voice. I can still organize campaigns. In Arizona, I ran the largest get-out-the-vote campaign for Latinos in the entire state as an undocumented person. Now, he has just just claimed that he is an illegal alien and that he has been participating in uh, the electoral process here in the United States. And mobilizing a get-out-the-vote campaign, basically doing what Acorn did. Now, he's going to get applauded for being an illegal alien here. There is no reason why we cannot do the same here. So, this illegal alien is coming to the state of Texas and is pledging to thwart SB4, which is, by the way... It's going to stand constitutional muster. I'll tell you why. Uh, Because it does something that SB 1070 didn't do. It directs state individuals to cooperate with the federal government. And there's nothing illegal about that. Nothing at all illegal about that. Now, SB 1070 basically empowered law enforcement officials to do the job that the federal government's supposed to do. And a state can't do that. And that's why it was found unconstitutional. I know it's logical that you should be able to, that federal laws apply to everybody, so people should be able to enforce federal laws or, you know, uh, but apparently the courts disagreed. But the state can tell its state governments and workers the rules. And the rules, there is no law that says you must not cooperate with the federal government. There is no, there is, there is no law that exists that says, hey, you people in the states, you are forbidden from cooperating with the federal government. There is no national law that says that. So if a state decides, hey, you know what, we're going to comply with the federal government. We're, we're going to work with the federal government. Every state has the right to do that. Now, there is no state that has the right to say, Oh, uh, federal laws, we reserve the right not to obey federal laws. There is no state that has the authority to do that because of the supremacy clause. But you, you can fully comply with the United States government. That is perfectly okay and within the law and within the Constitution. So these, these leftists have no legal ground to stand on. And that's why that, that's why this is different from SB 1070 in um, in Arizona. What's going on in Texas with SB 4? But I want to address Mr. Luna here, who is 
loudly and proudly proclaiming, I'm an illegal and I am here and, I, and, and, and I'm going to organize a get out the vote campaign. I'm going to interfere in an American election. Lastly, I am a voice of accountability. I say this because I am not here to go against my oppressor as more as I am here to gain the ear of my silent supporters. If you are oppressed, Ramiro Luna, in the United States, why do you want to stay? If, if the United States, if the rule of law in the United States is your oppressor, sir, why are you so eager to stay here in this terrible, God-forsaken land? Why don't you tip the heck out, out the door? Why don't you get the hell out of my country? Let me be plain. I do not think, as a matter of fact, I know. I know that Ramiro Luna has no standing in the United States. You have no say here, sir. You have no say in what happens in this country. Your oppressor, if, if we're in the United States, you weren't invited here, sir. You weren't invited. Get out. Well, my oppressor, I came to the United States illegally and I'm being oppressed. Well, get out. Nobody wanted you here. Nobody wanted you here. Now, if you decide to come in legally, then Americans want you here because that means you're invested in our country. I've got more to say to Ramiro Luna. And on the other side of the break, there is evidence that the Democrat Party, Nancy Pelosi and others, are colluding with this foreign national to influence elections. The Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. I want you guys to hear this soundbite again. Again, this is an illegal alien who's talking to a bunch of Democrats, elected Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Mark Vesey, and a bunch of community organizers. He's an illegal alien. And he's talking about standing up against a law called SB4, which basically says that local municipalities cannot actively thwart federal immigration law, as many of these sanctuary cities do. And here's what he has to say. I say this because I am not here to go against my oppressor as more as I am here to gain the ear of my silent supporters. Your oppressor. Let me get this straight. This illegal alien comes into my country, demands that he be heard, demands that his opinion be respected and be listened to. Comes in illegally, 
sits before elected members of Congress, gets written up in in publications, is gets to wander freely around my nation, and he has the gall and the temerity to say that he's being oppressed? Uh, sir, you don't know what oppression is. Ramiro Luna, you have no idea. And nobody wanted you to be here to begin with illegally. Nobody asked you to come into my country illegally. How dare you walk in the front in the in the back door of my nation, come in here, demand to be heard, demand that people pay attention to you, demand stuff from my nation, and then you say we're the oppressors? How dare you? You leftist piece of garbage. That's what he is. He's a leftist. He is a loudmouth leftist Latino. I'm assuming Ramiro is not Irish. Or, yeah, Ramiro Luna is not Irish. I'm not sure which country he came from. He could have come from Yemen for all I know. I, don't, I really don't care. It doesn't really matter where he came from. He's in the country illegally. And then he comes to my country and then insults my country after he's allowed to come in illegally, allowed to plug into our system, and then has the gall to say he's being oppressed? What? For you who say you support us, let's put those words into action, let's organize, let's get the vote out. Let's make sure that Ronaldi, if he wants to call eyes on us, next time he will have an office to call eyes on us. That name, many of you are not going to know. He says, Rinaldi, uh, this is the, the story I told you guys about three days ago in the Texas House, where Matt Rinaldi, who was a North Texas lawmaker, a Republican, witnessed a whole bunch of disruptive people who didn't like SB4, and some of them are carrying signs that read, I'm illegal, and I'm here to stay. So Matt Rinaldi did what any law-abiding citizen would do. He called ICE. He called Immigration and Customs Enforcement on people who were self-proclaiming to be illegal aliens. And this illegal alien, Ramiro Luna, has just pledged to work to make Matt Rinaldi to kick him out of office. So you have Nancy Pelosi and Mark Vesey, two elected members of the Democrat Party in Congress, along with local Democrats in the state of Texas, colluding with a foreign national to influence an election. You just heard the foreign national conspiring and colluding to remove a Republican out of elected office. Why is it okay for Democrats to collude with foreign nationals to influence elections? I thought, I thought we were going through an entire exercise right now here in the United States that says collusion with foreign governments is bad, with foreign citizens is bad. Isn't that what we're told? 
Why is it that Nancy Pelosi and Mark Vesey, two Democrats, can conspire, can collude with a foreign national to interfere with an upcoming election in the state of Texas? Why is that permissible? It shouldn't be. Should it? The video is posted on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. We have video evidence of Democrats colluding to influence an election. There is no evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. None. Zero. I have video. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll ask you. What will you do with this information? Now that we have had confirmed that Nancy Pelosi showed up into the state of Texas and that Mark Vesey in the state of Texas, a Democrat congressman, and others who were in attendance colluded with this community organizer from another country to take down a Republican who was in elected office. Uh, is that just okay with everybody? It's not with me. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Let's, uh, let's talk about another story that I, I have been dying to, uh, to get into more detail with you guys. Fox News, uh, oh, I just got to, Oh, I just got a text. Sorry, guys. I, I just got distracted, briefly distracted as a text message was coming through. I thought it was a, another Fox alert. Maybe we're back into the climate deal. I don't know. Um, uh, Fox News Channel ran this story, and this is very apropos, about voter fraud. Now, I've done, I did one that was almost identical to this when I was in news in Texas. Listen to this. Even though the right to vote is reserved for U.S. citizens, just across the river from the nation's capital in Virginia, thousands of non-citizens have apparently been on voter rolls for years. That's according to new research by the Public Interest Legal Foundation that finds 5,556 non-citizens were removed from rolls between 2011 and 2017, and 1,852 of them cast ballots a total of 7,474 times. Illegal aliens are casting ballots in United States elections. Now, those numbers may seem trivial because a lot of left-wingers will probably tell you, oh, come on, a thousand? That can't, that can't sway a presidential election. That's, a, that's, that's minuscule. Well, no, it, that's true. Now, of course, if you are the American citizen who had their vote canceled out by the illegal alien, you're not going to be so forgiving. And come on, man, on a, on a state level, millions of people, a, a thousand people, that doesn't make it doesn't make a ticker's darn bit of difference. Well, no, you're probably right. It is more so statistically relevant, but still probably isn't swaying state elections one way or the other. But what about local elections? City council, mayors, 
those who arguably have the biggest impact on you, your family, and your life. Those numbers, those races can be decided by by less than 10 votes. Couldn't they? And if illegal aliens are casting ballots, they can make a difference. What if illegal aliens are in a local municipality that wants to pass a law like Texas did and said, well, you know what, we want to we help ICE with federal detainers. Let's put it to a vote. Let's put it to a vote. So they get it up there, and here come the illegal aliens voting it down for that particular town or city, small city. It could sway an election. Illegal aliens voting because of lax voter criteria, that has to stop. And all of these, all of these illegal aliens, they were caught because they admitted that they voted. <laughs> and some of them are by mistake. They thought, well, since I got a work permit, I should vote, right? They just, they did it out of ignorance. But the very idea that this isn't going on in every state, in every municipality around this country is, is lunacy. It is happening. And as left-wingers like Nancy Pelosi and Mark Vesey who are committed, who don't, are not committed to the rule of law, they're committed to breaking the law, as was evidenced by that meeting, as they sat in the presence of an illegal alien. And nobody, nobody batted an eyelash. Oh, it's an illegal alien. Well, you're, you're a sitting member of Congress. Shouldn't sitting members of Congress actually obey the law? No. Democrats don't have to obey the law, they think. And what I am concerned about as more of these Democrats and these illegal aliens start to conspire and organize, that thousand vote voting record, thousands of people voting in Virginia, it's going to multiply. And in those states, in Democrat states, they're going to continue to pass laws that prevent you and I from knowing it, that prevent you and I from stopping it. And then, and then it becomes real. And then it becomes a real problem. Not only on the state, or not only on the local level, but on the state level, and then ultimately on the national level. California, half the dang state is illegal. I'll be back in a minute. Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And at some point, it sort of bleeds over into misogyny. I take responsibility for every decision I made, but that's not why I lost. That's Hillary Clinton, of course, coming out yesterday and 
The Daily Caller, I think, had the best write-up on this. She cited 18 reasons why she lost, and she wasn't any of them. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. But I, what really got my attention the most was when Hillary Clinton turned her fire on the Democrat National Committee. So I'm now the nominee of the Democratic Party. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. What do you mean nothing? I mean it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC. The, the DNC to keep it going. Okay. So the psychosis, the liberal psychosis aside, um, and, and why Hillary can't seem, and well, this isn't just Hillary. It's, it's, a, it's an affliction of the progressives in general. They can never take responsibility for what they do. It's only somebody else's fault. But why would she go after the DNC? I have a theory, and I don't have any inside information on this, but this is just a theory. Who has been the Democrat Party for most of your lifetime? That's right. The Clintons. The Clintons have been the Democrat Party. I mean, Bill Clinton, arguably the last successful Democrat president, right? I mean, Obama, you can't, you can't put the word Obama and success in anything in the same sentence. So here's, what's, here's what I believe is happening. Hillary Clinton is sitting down with party bosses, and she thinks she's still the top dog. It's, it's her and Bill's Democrat Party. They built it in her mind. So she's sitting down and she wants to run again in 2020. And she's being told by the new guard, you know, the Keith Ellison, the, the racist anti-Semite, and uh, Perez, isn't that his name? I can always, I forget that guy's name. O Obama's, one of Obama's cronies. The, the leaders of the new DNC. Sorry, Hillary, you've been rejected twice. It's just over. It's time to retire. Time to go away. And she says, you don't tell me that. I'm the great Hillary Clinton. The Democrat Party is me. And that's what she's saying in that soundbite right there, folks, is that the Democrat Party is nothing without me. I had to bail them out with a whole bunch of money. The Democrat Party sucks without me, says Hillary Clinton. So that's why she's coming out. If she can't run the Democrat Party like any good liberal, she's going to burn it down. Remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. Have yourselves a great day Friday tomorrow on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is The Blaze Radio Network.